I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, but I went today and I got it. And it's, it's fine. Like it's fine. It's not quite as it's not quite as good as a Chick Fil A sandwich. It's better than any other fast food sandwich, yeah. and it's fine. It's a fast food chicken sandwich. <laughs> like, come, come off! It's so bizarre to me. Like, Get him! <laughs> your sandwich. Lose, you're gonna lose your mind. It was a <laughs> damn sandwich. Like, how do, how do we feel about cursing, bud? Calm down. <laughs> everybody to the inaugural burn down the big 10 podcast my name is george eisner and i'm here with my co-host ben Gorin. hello and uh we are gonna be coming to you every friday afternoon this football season and uh our objective every week is going to be to tear the big 10 a new one i don't think they need our help with no that, probably not it mostly. you know doesn't it it you know, lends itself to pretty easy. We're I I'm an Ohio State fan. I've uh, I was a graduate in 2016. I've been a lifelong uh, supporter of the football and basketball teams, as well as the university at large. And Ben has been in the same boat for Northwestern. I'm sure he can tell you more about uh, his own experiences That's and right. emotions with that. But you know, right. we're both. I, I, too- uh, I went to Medill. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. You'll 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 hear more about that <laughs> later. Uh, but. I had a piece that went up on uh, Thursday about on Land Grant Holy Land about the conundrum of being an Ohio State fan and how you can have a uh, season where your quarterback sets all these records and you win a Rose Bowl, and if you don't win a national championship, it just feels like everything was wasted. And uh, it shouldn't. It's not a not a healthy relationship to have as a fan, but it's uh, it's one that I've unfortunately come to uh, be. That's that's been my perspective. Yeah. So. I mean, like, as with anything with college sports, I mean, that's part of what makes it so great. And part of what makes the Big Ten so great is that you have these national powers, your Ohio States, your Michigans, sorry, Ohio State fans. But at the same time, you have the little sisters of the poor, like us over uh, in Evanston, where making one Big Ten title game ever uh, is basically the highlight of the program for two decades. And where we're still excited to go to the Podunk U-Bowl in the old Cotton Bowl. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's a natural, uh, combination. I think ultimately, you know, as we, we did invent podcasting, um, so as we go into this new media form that basically no one has ever considered doing before, um, this kind of radio show, but what they, you know, you can we are treading in uncharted waters chat. 
So, um, you know, we, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. No one's done it before. Uh, so we figured why not, uh, do a sports podcast, which is especially unique. Uh, and why not make it about the big 10? So I'm excited for it. I hope you are. I hope you'll stay listening to I'm, this for I'm however long as it I'm goes. Juiced. <laughs> um, I can't wait. So, because this is our first show, uh, I think we should probably discuss some of what we think are going to be the biggest stories going into the year in the Big Ten. Um, at the outset, I think we should go over, uh, is the Big Ten a structure doomed to fail? Uh, after that, we can jump into what we can expect from Ryan Day at Ohio State this year. Um, following that, we can talk about who has the hotter coaching seat between James Franklin or Jim Harbaugh. And uh, we can wrap up with a preview of sorts of some of the Big Ten West teams and who we think is going to come out on top of that division. So why don't we get started? So... Last July, so last month, uh, Minnesota head coach J.P. Fleck uh, made some comments uh, regarding what he think. By the way, huh? <laughs> it's P.J. Fleck. PJ, what did I say? <laughs> you said J.P. J.P. I said J-P. we can call him J.P. Fleck. J.P. Fleck. Just into that at this point. How about uh, no, nah, no? Nah, you know what? J.P. Fleck. <laughs> it's J.P. Fleck until Minnesota. You know, it takes a foothold in the Big Ten West. J.P. Fleck told the Athletic. Change is inevitable. I think we all know that. I think that the East and West have been around for a while. I like it. I like the division of it, but I don't think it will stay the same. I think we'll change at some point because change is coming somehow, some way. And I think people are going to want to move it around and shake it up a little bit. Uh, The conference itself did not comment on the topic uh, at the Big Ten spring meetings in Arizona. So, Ben, my question to you is – Given Delaney is leaving on New Year's Day 2020 and uh, successors already been named and the Big Ten has been missing out on the college football playoff uh, in recent years. Do you think that at the end of this season, it's likely that we'll see some kind of shakeup? And if so, what do you think that shakeup is going to look like? I don't think you can put a year on it, on when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. PJ Fleck is right about that. Whether it's because of the clear inequities between the two divisions, which is obvious to anyone who takes a quick glance at the conference and how it's set up currently, or whether it's because the conference becomes 16 teams, which is always going to be present in the back of the mind of any kind of power. I'll welcome Notre Dame with open arms. Please. (laughs) I wanted Syracuse back in the day. I don't think I can get them anymore, though. Uh, But either way, uh, it, it has to change. It has to change. And as a Big Ten West guy, I hope that it doesn't because it's awesome basically getting a free seven wins every year because you get to beat up on crap. But it's a joke. Go forward and say that Ohio State is that on that three, four line going into the conference championship game and they lose to an eight and four Iowa Big Ten West champion team. And they end up getting knocked out of the college football playoff. That's not sustainable. The second that happens, and I do mean like the second, it will happen that offseason, it's going to be changed up. Something dumb is going to happen, and the Big Ten is going to have to change. The reason I wonder if it's going to happen sooner than we think is just because you have this changing of the guard happening at the end of the season. And I'm wondering, I believe mm-hmm. Kevin Waller is the name of the, the of uh, Delaney's replacement. That's right. Um, I'm just wondering if Waller's going to want to make a 
drastic move like that when he's coming in. But again, I think it kind of depends on what happens. You know, if the scenario you're describing is what plays out at the end of the season and the Big Ten ends up missing the college football playoff because of some Big Ten West team, like uh, I'm trying to think of who would be an obscure one for to beat Ohio State. Like Minnesota, like maybe maybe J.P. Fleck gets hot. (laughs) His boys row the we boat all the PJ, way JP, and JT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, DJ Fleck has a good program. <laughs> I'm really excited for All right, DJ Fleck is that's, – that's what we're going with. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I just wonder if – I don't really know much about Waller, and I'm, I'm considering if he's going to want to make that kind of a change very quickly in terms of him saying, look – we need to get this conference back at the forefront of the college football world because even despite the fact that I think there's a case to be made that it's the deepest conference, it by no means is getting the the spotlight or attention necessary uh, that I think you know merits the attention required to get into the playoff. Unfortunately, I think that yeah. popularity has kind of been demonstrated over the last few years as something that's going to get you in. And it's something that the committee well, will hold against you. Uh, if you know, so I'm kind of like on two, two minds about that. Right. So if it's really about a splash, I think ultimately keeping the big 10 East the way it is, is probably the best way to go because you're going to get Ohio state and Michigan playing for a conference championship berth and you're going to get Ohio State and Penn State, and you're going to get Michigan and Penn State, and you're going to get Michigan and Michigan State. And all four of your really good teams, or usually four of your best teams, are in the same division, and they're going to be playing every single year. So you probably get more flash, I think, on a week-to-week basis with what you have now. I think if you wanted more of a fair outcome, and I think if the athletic directors of say like Maryland or Indiana, like think about those programs because those are really the ones who get the short end of the stick having to go up against all of those really elite Big Ten East teams. Um, I think if those athletic programs and um, probably the good athletic directors in the West came together and said like, hey, you know, we're kind of getting screwed here. You know, maybe you can make some noise that way. What do, where do you feel about you know, maybe moving teams around in the divisions or just getting rid of the divisions entirely and going to a rotating schedule where you have, I think, three protected rivalries per team is probably a safe number. And I think because that lets you do four other games um, out of the conference and then that so that fills up seven of your 12 slots. And then you can have five games where you're rotating. And I think that that benefits the teams like Ohio State where you can, instead of you know having to schedule Rutgers, you end up playing a team like Nebraska or one of these deeper Big Ten West teams that gives you that little bit of a bump that you need on the schedule at the end of the year versus a team that has scored, I think, one field goal against you in the last three years. <laughs> so, Yeah, so the, the right answer is to get rid of divisions. And there are lots of reasons why that's kind of the hardest answer for anyone in, you know, the big 10 conference office to pull the trigger on to do. But yeah, that's subjectively the right thing to do. Um, and Bill Connolly, who unfortunately is not in the SB nation family anymore. Traitor. Enjoy the ESPN money. We cry ever. Um, Tim. <laughs> yeah. It's just lashing out because of the depression. Um, the way that Bill Connolly broke it up in the Big Ten is three protected opponents and then a rotating pod system where you rotate through the schedule every so often, and it, that's the best way to keep it balanced. Just today, the AAC said that's what they're going to do. They're going to get rid of their divisions and try again, basically. 
it's kind of a bummer that the Big Ten isn't going to get the flash. They said they're going to restructure their divisions. They said they're going to get. Oh, rid they're of just going to get rid of them entirely. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're leading the way on that. I think that you know, hopefully, the Big Ten sees that that's an option, and they go it's and a do sign it. Of the times. Because, yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, Ohio State or Michigan or whatever, take your pick of the teams that are really playing for national championships. They're going to be fine. You know, they're going to be fine. If they, if they win the games that they have to win, they're probably going to be in the national title conversation. Odds are. Well, that's, a, that's actually something that, that we probably need to address with this as well if we're going down the road of the rotating schedule because I think that one of the inevitable things that's going to happen is that you're going to wind up with an OSU-Michigan rematch because I remember when they were initially posing the Legends and Leaders divisions uh, long ago and we were wondering about whether or not they were going how many protected rivalries we were going to have and when the game was going to be scheduled both fan bases were very adamant that the game always be played as the last regular season game of the Big 10 schedule at the end of November and uh-huh. i think that they were i i can't imagine a scenario where that were to change so if you were to go it, you should so you're finding yourself if you're taking away divisions these are the perennially to the two top teams at least that's the right. way it's been a lot of years that it's finishing. And just because of the fact that the conference is structured like a bucket of crabs where you've got teams that are <laughs> pulling each other down constantly from glory, just uh, nobody ever wants to let anybody else get out. And everybody seems to be on somewhat even footing. It's, it's just chaos. And I think that you wind up in a lot of situations where you're going to have those instant Ohio State-Michigan rematches in the title game. So I, I'm personally, if you subscribe to college football chaos theory, I think that's exactly what you should want. But I'm curious what your perspective is as someone that isn't a fan of one of those teams, how you would feel about seeing the Big Ten crown get claimed by you know potentially a team that just lost to a team the previous week or a team that just had to beat the same team twice in a row yeah i mean yeah i think anyone with with a brain just wants to see the two best teams play if the two best teams played the week before you know fine run it back we'll do it again that'd be kind of cool in its own way um but like the, the key point here is that ohio state michigan and penn state probably and maybe you want to throw wisconsin in that group they're going to be fine. They're, whatever happens, those teams are going to be just fine. It's the teams that are basically incapable of ever breaking out because they're stuck playing all these great teams in the Big Ten East that really need a change, right? Like, you know, Ohio State, you know, don't get your doors blown off by Purdue and, you know, you're going to be okay. But Maryland, who should have a decent football program, are never going to be any good. Because they're going to lose three conference games every single damn year, at least, and probably four. Like, that's what really needs to change. That was the sound of all our Terrapin listeners signing off. Yeah, yeah, both of the Terrapin (laughs) listeners. Like, that's really what this busted-ass divisions stuff does, is you get these middle-tier and these lower-tier teams in the East who are never, ever going to get those eight or nine-win seasons, and then you flip over to the West and – Northwestern, who's maybe the 80th best team in the country last year, gets to go to a conference title game. Like that's so backwards, and that's the real problem. Northwestern, you look at your your top teams are great. Top teams are always going to be great. Ohio State's been great for over 80 years now. They're going to be fine no matter what weird situation you throw them in. 
But if the goal of a conference is to build up everyone and give everyone the best shake, yeah, this current system needs to go and it needs to go. Yes, that's a good way to look at it then, I think. And I'm glad that the championship game, I guess, in terms of those rematches doesn't bother you as much. I hope that I hope that's a sentiment that echoes throughout the other fan bases that are in certain position like that. So and you know what? Let's what if people did hate it? It's more coverage for the conference. People talking about how much they hate it. Great. More money. (laughs) Sign me up. Yeah, we've spent enough time tearing down the whole conference. So (laughs) let's. Let's get a move on here and let's let's talk about my boys. Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes this Saturday, <laughs> Florida Atlantic, Lane Kiffin and Last Big Chance game. U D one. It's it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's it's the start of a brand new day, as I, as I said in my piece for uh, Land Grant yesterday. And I am I'm I'm jacked. I'm excited. I, I think the sky <laughs> is the limit for this team. I I'm looking forward to you telling me how it's not going to happen, Ben. But I, I'm I'm ready for it because this this team's got me excited and I'm I'm ready to go. So tell me tell me why I'm I'm being too homerific right now with with my guys. So what if Justin Fields isn't good? He kind of is though. But like, what if he and like? Isn't it possible that he's not? I, like isn't that isn't that a, a feasibility? I'll, that he's I'll entertain not it for the to... sake of your argument, but let's let's. <laughs> so, but like, but then what happens? Like, that's a really. I, I don't think there's there's no contingency plan. Chugging off, baby. I mean, is is there like a thinner QB room <laughs> as thin as a Ohio State room? Can that's be? a fair. That's a fair question, but you know, at the same time, I've. I think that so so the, I, the one one key thing I think to point out here just before we jump into the quarterback thing is that I think that one of the reasons I'm so happy is because I'm very confident that there there have been very few handoffs that I think have gone this well in terms of head coaching handoffs. I think that I I, I don't think it's very often in college. Well, I, I guess more recently it has been where you see those promotions from within for big time programs rather than going with outside hires. You saw that with Oklahoma doing Lincoln Riley, and now you're seeing it with Ohio State and Ryan Day. But I, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm very optimistic just because of how smoothly I think it, things have gone, and there hasn't been a whole lot of warping of the image of the program. And I think that that's something that you get a lot with the coaches is that you the the face and the perception of the program changes and i don't think that that's the case at all here and i think ryan day has done a good job of keeping a lot of things the same and the reason that makes me optimistic for the quarterbacks is because every single time that somebody needed to step up in any situation under urban meyer at the quarterback position it it happened Braxton Miller did it the whole way through. When he when he got hurt, Kenny Guyton would come into in the middle of games and he would close out and he would win them. And then when Braxton got hurt that again in the offseason, JT Barrett stepped in as a redshirt freshman, you know, coming off of an ACL You're tear too. from high school. And he was, you know, re- he stepped in and he bled all the way through until he got hurt in the Michigan game. And then Cardale came in and made history with that national championship run. And then you had JT coming back in eventually. And then you had, when JT got hurt in the Michigan game, you had Haskins coming in behind him. So I've, I've just, you see too many different guys at a program like this come in and in these, 
you know, flash opportunities where they're called on to not only show up, but perform and win. You have these guys that countless time after time have proven that they can do it. And I have not seen yet any reason for me to believe that they're not going to put Justin Fields in the best possible position to succeed. So I, what if they so don't? that's, that's okay. <laughs> you can jump back in. That was a lot, but. So, I mean, like, that's, you know, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. They are. It's boring. It's, it's been that way for a I'm decade. Sorry. And it's going to continue until the world finally is swallowed by the sun. Like, they're the best team. But I do think that there's a really decent chance that Justin Fields, at least out of the gate, is struggling. I mean, for 8 million reasons. He's transferred. He hasn't had a full year to There'll actually be growing system. Pace. Cetera, so on. Maybe he's not as good as he's hyped up to be. I'm generally pretty afraid of transfers being all of that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think that like that's that's ultimately the biggest question in the Big Ten this year, by like a lot, is what is Justin Fields going to do? He's got a crap load of talent all around him. J.K. Dobbins is going to bounce back this year. He has to surely lose some wide receiver targets, but they probably went that good anyway. I think they actually still. I think they got their best wide receiver back. To be honest, I think KJ Hill was better yeah, than yeah. all of them I mean, last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's close to the all-time receptions record. I mean, they're crazy deep. They have five stars at every position. Yada yada yada, and so on. But if Justin Fields is like a C plus college quarterback or B minus college quarterback, he's going to get caught out once or twice, and that's ultimately the only question that Ohio State needs to have is what do they have at the quarterback? I did spot? like what I saw the out of him at Georgia last year. I think that there was a lot of reasons to be optimistic, and I think that, um, I think that for the spots on the field that Ryan Day likes to get the ball passing wise, I think that Fields is good with that. He's last year. Yeah, the best thing that Fields, the best thing that Fields has going for him is that Day knows what he's doing. And he made a really good hire at offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like they're going to be a prepared unit and they're going to do the right oh, things. I, there's no yeah. doubt. But I, I just think about it in terms of where last year when I was watching the, those three games when Day was the head coach, where was he trying to have Haskins put the ball and just kind of how that you know differentiated from uh, Myers' play calling. And then I kind of I, I look at that for what Fields was doing well last year in the brief stints that he would get in in Georgia – He's he's really he's comfortable already getting the ball into the center part of the field. He d- he definitely doesn't have those kind of touch passes that those unbelievable floating bullets that Haskins would put on the sideline of the end zone as people were trailing in. I mean, he could just drop those things in, and I I don't think Fields is going to be able to do that. But I think Fields is already very good at targeting the middle of the field, and I think <clears throat> excuse me. I think he's good on, you know, his with his intermediate and his short-term accuracy and that's I think that is where they'd like to get the ball on those shallow crossing routes and those screens, but Day's very good at diversifying his play calling, I think much more than Urban Meyer. Urban had a tendency I think at Ohio State to get stuck in calling a lot of read options and refocusing Can we on, run more QB power with Dwayne Exactly. That's my Oh, opinion. exactly. So you, you didn't you hardly saw any of that when time. Day was doing the stint last year. So I think you know, Fields being a dual threat, that's going to open things up a little bit for everybody. But I also think that that's probably where most of his mistakes are going to come from. I think the biggest thing, just because of how young Fields is, is and the fact that Ryan Day is new, is how how is Ryan Day going to be able to help Fields keep a short memory? 
and you know he's going to inevitably make mistakes. The question is, is he going to get over those mistakes and you know drive through and keep putting up points for the offense, or are those mistakes going to stick in? Are they going to lead to bad habits? I think that is going to be the point where what you're kind of describing with the worst case scenario would kind of start to take shape. But the kid's talented and he is in a system with a lot of talent around him and a coach that knows how to get the most out of him. So I, I expect the world for them. Um, There's not a QB in the conference that wouldn't switch places with him, but what if he's no. bad? Well, I guess we'll find Just out. Keep that back then. Your mind. <laughs> All right, uh, we we could talk about the defense, but I, that's that's gonna yeah, that's whatever. I, I I would rather talk about them <laughs> next week once we've had a game of reference, so we can kind of see where they're at. And I'm sure Lane Kiffin will probably stress them out a little bit too. So. Oh, he's gonna test oh, them. Yeah, so it'll those boys, those owls down there at FAU, <laughs> whatever they are. Last chance you do one, baby. But anyway, a lot of talent. Yeah, on this it'll one. be it'll be a great game. But I, uh, but yeah, I'll be curious to see how Ohio State's defense with Michigan's coaches uh, fares this season. But let's let's move on then. Speaking of Michigan, there are two coaches right now in very prominent programs that are both feeling the heat right now. That would be Mr. James Franklin at Penn State as well as Mr. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Two great Spoonerisms, by the way. <laughs> Frames, Janklin, and him, Jarbaugh. Two of the best yeah, three frames, in the conference. Frames, so right Janklin, is my, that's one of my personal favorites. Um, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Uh, I'm of the opinion that Franklin is probably feeling more heat. Uh, you've got a little bit of a different perspective on it, and I think that's why you think Harbaugh has it. Why don't you lead with why you think Harbaugh is feeling it a little bit worse right now? Yeah, so there are a couple of things to keep in mind. I think you know, one thing I go back to is the fact that he kind of was ran out of San Francisco despite being a great coach. Maybe it's not that fun to work with every single day. Yeah, I don't know. But – Ultimately, what I think it comes down to is expectations. Um, and in the case of Michigan, unsurprisingly, that university, it's crazy outsized expectations for what they are and what they should be and all of that fun stuff. Jim Harbaugh is a really darn good coach. I'm pretty confident there aren't nine coaches in the country that are better, and there might not be four who are better. He's one of the best out there. And what he's done every year he's been there pretty much is to have a really, really good football team. Ultimately, really, really good isn't going to be enough all by itself. I do think that if Harbaugh keeps doing what he's been doing, which is to be really good and then losing to Ohio State and finishing at 9-3, and three, is I think Michigan's eventually going to have enough. And I think there are, there are fair reasons to do that. I mean, the financial support they give him and his staff is berserk. I think that they do pay him to be a national championship contender, and they certainly haven't been that anytime recently. And I think that's what he's going to deal with. I think that those expectations are going to continue to basically force him out the door. It's going to be really dumb, but I think that he's very close to having that happen. It does seem like it's a bit of an impossible situation for everybody involved. Um, I would... I think because of that, I would hope that they recognize their best. It's in their best interest just to kind of stay put. Provide if another one of those seasons happens. I mean, as long as they don't really fall off, 
Um, you know, I, I, I would hope that they would take a look around and see, you know, what, is there really anybody we think that we would rather have running the show than this guy? Is it really more we don't want to have him around versus we think we found someone that could be better? I mean, I think part of the reason the incentive to get rid of, you know, or jump ship on Hoke when they did was because Harbaugh was such an obvious right. candidate for being the right guy for the job. So I think that until right. another candidate comes around like that, it, it really isn't in their best interest to entertain, you know, losing again. And, and I, I think the. And by the way, they won't. Like, there won't be a second choice that's ever going to be as good as Harbaugh. Oh. No matter who they hire, it could be, be some mystery Michigan coach. man that rises that up better. out of the desert and some, I don't know, I'm just speculating, but you know, it's going to be Brady Hope. That's what their next coach Brady is going to be. It's going to be Brady Hope with a new color shader. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Bring back Rich Rod. <laughs> That'd be dope, though. That'd be sick. I'd be all in on that. Please. That was so much fun. Those Michigan teams were yeah, fun. They were, they were fun good. in September. Boy, howdy, were they fun. <laughs> but talk to me about James Franklin and why he's All on right. the way. So out. here's the thing with James Franklin versus Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh's the Harbaugh is the Michigan man, which I think is part of the he he's he is he represents what that school ideally wants to be, even if he hasn't gotten them to be there yet. Franklin, by comparison, I think is slowly becoming controversial, and. If you're Penn, nice if you're Penn State, I don't think that you want to entertain controversy. I mean, and James Franklin. I mean, you're you're looking at the case that's building against this guy now, where you, you've already got, you know, he coached himself out of beating Ohio State last season. That was already bad enough. After the game, he gets into a verbal altercation with the fans of his own team. Then in the press conference after the game, he proceeds to blame the own, his players and say that they don't, they're not working hard enough, or they haven't collectively decided to buy in to you know the level required that if you want to be considered a national contender. In the immediate wake of a loss in which he called a running play on fourth and four, uh, with the game hanging in the balance. <laughs> And then this week, you've got a former medic, someone from the f- medical staff on the team that used to work for them, is filing a suit against him, saying he cleared injured players to play. And you just, I, I just think, listen, if Keegan Michael Key can do a perfect impersonation of your personality, you do That's not have the temperament required to lead young men as a college <laughs> football coach. <laughs> you don't. All right. So, so, but like, here's the thing. Like, James Franklin's been a bad person since he was at Vanderbilt. And Penn State knew about it. I mean, there is some unsavory stuff that happened at Vanderbilt under his watch. I, I, I really don't think that's why it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. I do think that, like, I, I'm not no fan of James Franklin, what he does on the field, the way he does off the field. I do think that he's coached his best Penn State team. Like by a lot, absolutely. Is, is there any chance that he gets a team that is? He, he's not going to get a Barkley McSorley and, and Barkley. I mean, McSorley was historically great for the conference, close. and Barkley's Barkley. Right, exactly. And then you know, this year you're going to have uh, Miles Sanders is there. Last year you have KJ Hamler. Now, great, you have an unproven quarterback. Like it's never, it's never going to get as good as it was. It's basically, it's going to look like it's a downturn. 
just because you can't touch that level again. I feel like Franklin's long-term job security is not good. I, I don't think it's going to end up working out for him at Penn State. But I don't think the timeline is quite so tight unless something really disastrous happens this year, which you could do. But I don't think there's the same kind of institutional momentum pushing someone to being fired as there is in Ann Arbor right now. Well, let's let's ask this then. So regardless of which one, let's 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 say which one of them gets fired at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What, who do you think would be potential candidates to for either one of them to replace? Oh God. Um, I guess you can, if you have some, you think would, I mean, you don't think anybody would do it for Harbaugh, but maybe we shouldn't even just do it for Michigan and just assume that they're screwed. I think think that, you know, if I'm Michigan, I'm looking for someone with a proven history of winning, winning conference division championships and developing quarterbacks. And I would look across the way. I would look in Evanston, Illinois, and I would hire Mick McCall, (laughs) Northwestern's offensive coordinator. I would sign him to a 15-year deal. I would lock him up for the next eternity because he's as good as it gets. So that's what I would do if I was Michigan. If I was Penn State, I might do the same thing. Uh, what do you think? I think that's a bold but excellent strategy. Um, okay. Uh, so coming back to the realm of the living and realistic, uh, I the two guys that I think would be potentially good, so I, I, I'm trying to think of just – you know, like what you said, guys that have proven that they can win and guys that have, you know, some sort of relative ties to – I'm going to speak from the perspective of the Franklin goes because I don't think that these guys would be shots for Harbaugh's job because I think they would want more of a Michigan guy. But I think Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is a good candidate. Um, yeah, that makes sense, that right? He would be – he's right around there. And um, – the other guy I think would be maybe Matt Campbell from Iowa State uh, if he's looking to get out of the Big Twelve. Um, that obviously I don't think would be their you know first choice, but uh, Campbell's a young guy. I think he's thirty eight this season, um, so he's he's young and you know he's 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 proven he can help build up the program. I think Iowa State won eight games last season, and uh, he's a guy that comes without controversy. And I think that's the biggest thing that they need is they if they really want to you know build themselves back up and you know really rebrand their image, then they they really got to give themselves a clean slate. And I don't think James Franklin is the guy that's going to do that for them while he's there. But or they could be, bring Bill O'Brien back. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't think he wants to leave. Just why not? <laughs> no, just no. just just sign his cleft chin. What's there to stay for in Houston? All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and give you a word from our sponsor, but we will be right back, and we're going to discuss the Big Ten West and give you some uh, quick bonus content to wrap up. So uh, stick around and stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Welcome back, folks. Uh, George and Ben here on the Burn Down the Big Ten podcast. So 
I compared the conference to a bucket of crabs earlier, and the, this is really the reason why I think that's the case. I, every the, So many of these teams to me are so obviously either uh, – many of them are incredibly one-dimensional to the point that it's it's baffling. That's right. Um, you know, Nebraska, Purdue was obviously one that comes to mind from last season as a team that, you know, will just come out and hit you in the mouth right away and make every game a shootout. And it's really first team to 40 wins. Nebraska kind of the same way, although they really sputtered out of the gate even worse. Um, I, I, there, there's a lot of teams that I think that are really one dimensional, but there's also a lot of talent. Um, I, well, let's not get carried away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you've definitely you've definitely got the better takes on these there, guys than me, but there's, uh, there's some talent. In well, the why don't we start with the I? We were, we were talking a bit earlier, and I I was lamenting the picks that I submitted earlier this week because uh, at least for my final rankings for the Big Ten West, because I'm not, um, you know, I, I I think that there's so much variance that I'm probably not even going to be in the even close to on the money with where I pick teams, but. <laughs> Why don't we just start with Purdue? Um, so I, I think on paper Purdue. that they're very dangerous, at least in terms of offense. Um, and I, I have to wonder if there's enough defense in the rest of the division to you know slow them down coming into the season. Uh, they obviously had an incredibly special player in Rondale Moore last year who's coming back uh, for his second year. And uh, I think that that's definitely the kind of talent that you can build around and really – make a team that can uh, make a lot of noise. So what do, uh, I don't know, what, where, where do you think Purdue stands relative to uh, the rest of the teams in the Big Ten West? I'm not buying it with Purdue, and I never have. You know, Jeff Brom is a ton of fun, and he runs all these gadget plays, and Rondale Moore is on your short list of most exciting players to watch in the country. But I, I just don't see it. And even last year, you know, the Ohio State game is an aberration, whatever, but people were talking about how, ooh, this, this Purdue team, they're a ton of fun to watch. And then they go and get their brains caved in by Minnesota and lose 41-10. And they're just, like, not that good. I watched Elijah Sindelar single-handedly lose them a game against Northwestern that they dominated because he threw, I think, three terrible first-half interceptions before David Blau came in. And David Blau is no longer there, and it's going to be Elijah Sindelar's team. You know, there's there's a really good chance that this team's going to be fun on offense. They probably will be if for no other reason than Rondell Moore is there and they have a running back named Sander. Great. Fun stuff. Happy fun times in wherever the hell Purdue is, West Lafayette. But they're just not that good. They're just not that good. Like they're just they're not in the top tier of the Big Ten West. They're gonna catch a team out, but they're just not title contender level. Uh, just because you mentioned West Lafayette, I want to warn our listeners that West Lafayette has the worst Chipotle in the United States, uh, just uh, as a quick Ooh. aside. It has the worst lots of things <laughs> in the United States. The de- their defense was what ultimately, I think, kept them from winning more games than they should have last year. I just wonder how much their defense is going to be able to bounce back. And that's kind of where I'm at for a lot of these teams that are looking at that are so one dimensional is how are they going to, you know, be able to rise up from these Titanic lows. Another team that we're talking about with this is Nebraska. Um, They're very similar position. 
Purdue was next to last in defense in the Big Ten last year, and Nebraska was the team that finished right above them with 428 yards per game. And I, you go back and you look. First of all, they 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 had their first game canceled against Akron, which was a better result than Northwestern had against Akron. Zips. Uh, <laughs> mm. The first yeah, I've heard of then, that. They lost to Colorado uh, five points in the next game. Then they lost to Troy. And then they let Michigan put 56 points on them. Then they lost to Purdue 42-28. They lost to – they dropped their first five games – or first six because they lost Northwestern as well. They dropped their first six out of the – Happy Scott Frost Day. Well, so this is what I'm wondering. There was a lot of buzz that was being made about them last year in terms of maybe being some team that could surprise, that could come out of the Big Ten West. And, I mean, it's one thing if you come out and you falter a little bit through the first two or three games when you've had that reputation. Then maybe it's not as fair to have. But for the first – one, two, three, four, five, six games for you to drop that when you have that kind of expectation. I mean, yeah. Do can you trust yeah, Nebraska? So if, you're buying, if you're buying Nebraska, it's not because of much of what you saw on the field last year. And to their credit, you know, if you look at projected wins basically by performance, they were probably closer to a seven-win team. I mean, they were a good team that got unlucky a lot. Uh, Northwestern's an example of that too, but or Northwestern beating Nebraska. But if you're buying into Nebraska, you're buying into Scott Frost's history, basically about what he was able to do at UCF in not a whole lot of time, and you're buying into the rest of the Big Ten West being bad. Nebraska's going to be a flawed team. I really like their quarterback. I think Martinez is really exciting, and ultimately, I believe that Scott Frost is probably the best coach in the Big Ten West. So they're probably going to be okay at the end of the day. But more so than any other team, it's really just trusting and sight unseen. I mean, this is the buying something on eBay that doesn't have a photo preview kind of deal if you think that Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten West this year. But I don't think it's that bad of a bet. I really don't. It's just an idiotic division of football. And the one thing you can bet on is that it's just going to get dumber because that's exactly what always happens. If you had to pick today, who would you say comes out on top? Oh, gosh, that's really hard. So I think the safe, the safest bet is probably Northwestern. They're probably going to win eight games this year. Like that's the safe bet, right? But I do think the only team that would put even a little tiny bit of fear into a Big Ten East team in a conference title game is Nebraska. Really? Not so Iowa. I think if you're a Big Ten East fan. I, I, I you don't think Iowa, Iowa puts the fear of God Iowa's in Ohio Iowa. State? Well, yeah, it would put the fear in Ohio State. What happened the last time? We, we don't need to go over it. Was it was a close game? I don't really remember. It, it was. No, that's right. Iowa won. They, they put a 50. It was pretty bad. Yeah, you know, they're, they're demons the, the, of the Iowa. The Purdue game was like worse good. if you I, want I, to chirp yeah. me. The, oh, yeah, the Purdue game was much worse. <laughs> but really, the only team that I think has potential to be a scary team to an elite team, which is a lot of hedges, is Nebraska. Other than that, the ceiling for every one of these teams, even Wisconsin, you know, it's it's not it's not scary. At best, every non-Nebraska team is going to be a really well-coached team that doesn't make mistakes. 
I uh, I guess I'm just I'm not as scared of the monster yet, just given I I'm, I have it too ingrained in my head the way they came out last year. But I mean, you know, if they've they got a strong showing, and I mean, we'll see. They they play Ohio State fairly early on in the schedule this year, so I. They do. Uh, I think. I hope that they don't attach their the value of their season <laughs> to that game, just given how early on it is. I hope that if even if they lose, that they're you know still in good spirits about the rest of the schedule, and that they would latch, hopefully, their value going forward onto you know some other victory that they'll have. But uh, well, let's see who do they. Who, if they've got anyone tough, after they've got a, they've got not an easy schedule. Like having to play Ohio State is a bummer. Yeah, but they have them at home. Well, I guess which they get most of their easy games. On. Yeah, and they have pretty much all their tough games are at home. So I take it back. They have a very easy <laughs> schedule. And getting Northwestern at home, getting Wisconsin at home, getting Iowa at yeah. home. Um, they're going to lose to Ohio State, but the fact that they get them at home helps. That's a really good break. Because ultimately, right, the team that wins the Big Ten West is going to have to beat. Mm, a handful of the Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, right. um, what Iowa. Iowa kind of four-headed yeah. monster. You have to win at least two, probably three to win. So getting all three of those games at home, it's a good break. Yeah. I got to be honest. I, I know you've been peddling the theory that they're – although I know you just said that Northwestern could win eight games. I know you've also been peddling the theory that they could lose their first seven they're going to start 0-7. <laughs> I'm, yep, right. I'm fairly convinced that Northwestern's <laughs> going to the, – the the big – the annual Big West blemish that Ohio State is going to have this year is going to be Northwestern. No. I'm fairly certain of that. No. I think that there's too many things aligning. But that'll we will get to that in week five. Northwestern's <laughs> got a game this so week. Bad. And – I would love for you, Ben, to just take a minute to tell us how Mick McCall is going to lose the game for Northwestern this week. Yeah, so the most the reason why I, I chose to do this podcast uh, ultimately is that having an audience is key, especially with the message that I have to get out, which is that Mick McCall um, should be in prison. Uh, he's just the absolute worst offensive coordinator in the country. It's just year after year after year, and it's been more than a decade now, and he's still in Evanston. He's going to outlive me. He's going to be the offensive coordinator when I die. Yet he's also going to be there when I go to hell. It's going to be dope. Um, so this, my job to you, dear listener, is to explain why Mick McCall needs to be dealt with, and hopefully you can help with that. Uh, hopefully you can help me with it, getting him the hell out of Evanston if we can do it. Uh, this actually is the biggest game of the week, by the way, in the Big Ten, which is a classic indictment of week one college football. Northwestern goes on the road to Stanford. Stanford's a top 25 team. Stanford lost to Northwestern the last time they played, even though they had Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, David Shaw is out for revenge. Northwestern, though, they just got this huge transfer, by a five-star kid from Clemson. Maybe Ohio State fans are familiar with what that feels like. Hunter Johnson, and he's going to not start because for some reason they're going to play a former walk-on, TJ Green. That's Trent Green's son. He's going to end up starting. He's going to go like 13 of 28 for like 130 yards and two interceptions. And Northwestern's going to lose a football game. And it's going to drive me insane. And Mick McCall will get in front of a press conference and say, you know what? We just didn't win our one-on-one battles today. Didn't win them. Put our boys in, in positions to succeed. That's on us as coaches ultimately, but we didn't get it done but we're going to fix it. And then they're going to lose the next six games too. So yeah, that's, that's what Mick McCall will do to me this week. It's going to be great. 
I'm going to lose my mind over it slowly. Well, have you noticed North, that the Big Ten is where like random white NFL quarterbacks kids go? Jake Plummer's kid is at Purdue. Remember, I Jake, remember Plummer? Jake Plummer? Let's remember some guys. I do. You do? I have a weird yeah, Jake exactly. Plummer kid, story, actually. I, one time I tried Googling his name, and it was the first time yeah. I accidentally found porn on Google. I, I have, nice. no, I still have no idea how it happened. Nice. I, 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 nice all I typed in was stop. Jake Plummer, but the, <laughs> there it was in the search. I was trying to look up a stat to tell my dad something. I was like, well, I'm not going to keep going with that. <laughs> it was a vivid that. Jake Plummer memory. Yeah, but no, Trent I didn't Green's know kid. his kid was in the Big Ten. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Trent Green's kid is at Northwestern, and he's not that good. All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap up then with our recommendation for Game of the Week. Uh, ben briefly mentioned Northwestern Stanford earlier. I think that's a good one, but uh, why, don't, why don't you give us one more other than uh, your, your home team that we can watch this week? Yeah, basically just, you know, you cannot watch Big Ten football this week. You're going to be fine. You're not going to miss anything, but you know, all these games suck. Indiana Ball State, well. Uh, but Purdue could absolutely lose on the road to Nevada, breaking in Elijah Sindelar. Looked pretty bad the first game of the year last year. Uh, I would keep a half eye on it. It's a Friday night game, and it's like a West Coast Friday night game, so you can probably find something better to do with your time. But if you're a college football addict like myself, this is a game you probably should watch, especially if you want to know if Purdue is real or not. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to end up watching it, honestly, after how much we talked about Purdue today. I'll be uh, curious to see how they look. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, Rondell Moore, man, if for nothing else, that guy's must watch television. So... Running back's name Xander. What else do you need? You have Ron, Rondale Moore and Xander Horvath. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sign Damn me baby. up. All right. Well, on that note, I think we've uh, taken up enough of everybody's time today. Uh, if you'd listened all the way through to the end of the inaugural show, we sincerely thank you. And uh, we hope you'll come back next week. Uh, we'll be back every Friday afternoon to uh, we'll break down what happened with the Big Ten teams this past weekend and preview next week's action. And uh, we'll be doing the same for you every week throughout the season. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, for Ben Gorin and George Eisner, I'm George. Oh, wow. I just fucked that up pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, then. 